Hello and welcome to the Three Musketeers podcast. Introducing the brothers behind it, Hamid and Hissam Amiri. Join them on their journey as they discuss unconventional topics from different perspectives. Real experience with key speakers around the world. Hello to the Three Musketeers podcast. It's myself, Hamid and Hissam. And today we are joined with a very special guest, Annie Baku, a person with a wealth of knowledge, and I'm sure we're going to learn something today. She's been included in the Times Top 100 Rising Star by We Are The City and the Northern Power Woman Future List. Annie, without further ado, do you want to give you know our audience an intro about you know who you are, what you do, and how did you start your career? Hi, Hamid. Thank you. Yes, certainly. So I actually started my my career. I spent 10 years working in financial services for one organization. Um, that wasn't always, always the plan. I st- actually studied biomedical sciences in university, but I graduated at the time of the first, well, the most, <laughs> first, most recent uh, financial crash and there was a rush to get jobs. And I just, I followed my cousin into financial services and I stuck there ever since. Um, so the work that I, I did, a lot of it involved working behind the scenes on things that, for clients who were dabbling in the stock market. Um, so I got to learn a part of financial services that the average person on the street doesn't know about. It was fascinating, moved across various different teams, mainly in operations. But I finally ended up working on a client-facing team. So we were working with our actual clients and trying to help them with what was going on in the background and explaining to them what it means in real life. And just a few years ago, um, also while I was there, actually, I got involved in diversity and inclusion initiatives. I actually chaired the uh, bank's version of Multicultural Network. So I chaired it at a local level. I sat on the board, European or Europe, um, Europe, uh, Middle East and Africa level. I did some projects at the global level as well. And that's where I got introduced into the Northern Power Women community. And we are the city community, um, I guess, a wider community beyond the bank. But as time went on, this new fancy word that we loved or term that we love to hear all the time called digital transformation started creeping into working life. And I just felt as if I wasn't being exposed to enough of it. Uh, The tech scene in Manchester where I'm based was booming and it still is. And I I started going to meetups and being exposed to lots of different people and yeah, I decided to just leave, leave banking at a time when it was comfortable for me and to explore the tech scene. And slowly but surely, initially when I entered, I, I did, I, I thought that, you know, diversity and inclusion wasn't going to be an issue. That's what yeah. it looked like from the outside. But um, slowly and surely, I found myself initially being interested in getting a developer job, working in a technical role, but I'm now actually in a position where I'm helping people to get into the tech industry. And that's where I'm at at the moment, is doing a lot of, uh, I guess, initiatives. And my main main job, the main things that I do is around helping 
to get more diversity within the tech industry, but just getting people in. Wow. There's a few points in there that I probably want to highlight or probably ask questions. One of them was, you said you, you went from obviously the finance sector into tech. How difficult was that for you? Or how easy was it? I, I think because I came, I went in where at a point where I was comfortable. So I chose to go in. I wasn't made redundant. I wasn't pushed out. I wouldn't say my transition was difficult. And the setup, the way that the community, tech community is set up in Manchester, it made it actually very easy for me to explore. It might have confused me a bit because I had so much choice. There are so many meetup groups in Manchester and they're hosted by people who work in the industry, sometimes supported by different companies. So I had a great exposure initially, I would say. I didn't, when I left the bank, because it was a big multinational firm, one thing that I really decided I wanted, it was actually to work within a smaller firm or to have exposure within a smaller firm or smaller group. So that is something that it actually stopped me from applying to a few different places because I just didn't want that big firm experience anymore. But I was approached actually by people while I was exploring to say, hey, you know, I'm doing a startup and, you know, it's related to tech, but quite a few of them also had a, either it was a social angle in terms of getting more women into tech or getting more people from different cultures or different backgrounds into tech. And those are the sorts of startups or small communities that I was exposed to more. So it wasn't just tech, it was tech for good, for the good of society, for the good of people. And also with the the view that, you know, digital transformation would wipe out or change certain jobs. And we needed to be thinking about, you know, who was going to be affected and women were in in the group, then the number one group who were going to get affected by digital transformation. So there's a lot yeah. of um, women-focused tech groups out there. So I was actually lucky because I have gone to a lot of, been welcomed by a lot of feminist groups. And so my view on how the, the you know lack of diversity is within tech it's been skewed somewhat because I've been cocooned and I'm very, very well aware of that. In the beginning, I was cocooned and I, I came across groups, you know, for example, women who were working in data or working with data. There's a, a very active group for that in Manchester. And I know that in, you know, in working life now, some of those women, they don't see other women. That's why this group exists, for example. Yeah. But I was dropped in in the middle with all this bunch of women and you know a different variety of big firms smaller firms different industries and you know we're networking in different buildings so i've had a a bit of a rolls royce sort of introduction into tech and i'm very grateful for that because it didn't put me off it didn't disillusion me not to say that everything has been perfect on the way in but at least my initial introductions tech were uh, done by people who actually cared and wanted yeah, to see yeah. different people in tech and it was done by people from a variety of different industries so i've had a, a good view of the great side and the benefits before seeing what the drawbacks could be or what the the issues were so you know you just mentioned that you know you had the right people to introduce you into the tech sector yeah. do you feel because for me 
I still think there's an issue with diversity and lack of females in IT. My role models in my career, both females, um, I look up to them, I learn my traits from them. So I guess in a weird way, I was like yourself, I was like my line manager and my eventual director, they're both females and they're, you know, they were doing amazing. So initially, I couldn't see the problem or how much big it was. But over the years and me moving to different organizations, I realized actually it is a huge, huge problem. And then you add the diversity perspective and you know, lack of PAME in not just IT, but in the senior leadership became even more apparent. Do you think there is a key in being introduced into the tech sector the right way? Absolutely. No doubt about it. And I would say that because I've seen people enter and leave because they haven't had a supportive community around them because I don't you know entry in some ways or for some people it may not be that difficult but it's um, one thing I think companies are not great at doing particularly is keeping people within the industry you just seem to be just another employee just churning through for a lot of companies and they're only starting to wake up now um, to the fact that it isn't it isn't just about working on the recruitment and getting someone in it's what happens yeah. day to day, those little things, those little processes. And there is a major problem. And that's one thing that I've noticed, especially in the last year or more than a year, particularly for me as a black woman, there really aren't that many black people there. I think I, I got introduced to a lot of black people in the beginning. Um, it's just lucky because of the network that I came across. But now that I, I, you know, the more I find out about the industry, the more people I get to know, the more I look around. I'm shocked. It's really shocking. And yeah, I'm, I just think all perspective, I wouldn't want the black community to fall behind because I know that tech is such an important aspect of development and the modern world. And that's one reason why I'm so keen on, you know, some of the things that I do. It's directly targeted at the black community because I can have access to them. But there are other communities as well. I believe they need to be you know, there needs to be links directly to people. Yeah. We need to speak to totally them. Agree. We need to translate what we're doing in the tech industry into reality. Like, what does that mean for their real life? Why should they be interested in learning about it? Why should they be interested in working in the industry? Why should they be interested in even teaching children um, about technology? Because I, I think there's a massive, massive opportunity right now that we we all shouldn't miss as an industry but yeah it was it was quite shocking to <laughs> just discover because from the outside I in terms of maybe marketing I would say the tech industry has done a better job of fooling the world that there's a lot of diversity in and I'm no I'm being quite honest because with no no, no I, I get it <laughs> do you know the reason I'm laughing is I'm seeing flashbacks of all the promos and you know that the flyers yeah the website design yeah and um, recently in the past few years I've, I've seen they change it to make a you know to have more diverse people mm -hmm. and you're right in a way they're fooling of how much of a problem it is i know the purpose maybe i'm being a bit harsh i know the purpose they want to say come and work for us with a diverse workforce yes. but you're right you're also creating a false image because i'm not gonna you know mention which organizations but you pick the only asian guy or the black guy or the black female or, or male put on on the image to say hey this is our marketing team or whatever mm -hmm. but the reality is he or she is the only person in your 500 workforce yeah. um and that's you're right that's falsifying 
how much of a problem it is. Yeah, and not only, it's difficult to move beyond that point because they have to start somewhere, right? So it, there's, it's one thing to put someone on a campaign, but if you're also not doing anything to make sure that they're not the only one and or there's a constant stream of different people coming in and the people stay there, they stay where they are, then your marketing campaign is worthless, really, because people speak to each other, certainly within the same country or the same area or town, they speak to each other. And, you know, recruiters will know that recruiting through via friends or via connections is actually more powerful than any job advert out there. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I think you know it was something that it was quite easy to throw an ad campaign together or change the website. But hopefully we've learned after the last nine months that that really, really doesn't work. And there needs to be more work done beyond just your ad campaign or beyond sprucing up your recruitment process um it's about keeping people there making sure that they don't have to do or they don't feel like they have to do 10 times more work to stay in compared to everyone else because that that's one of the main issues why people don't stay really and the companies are not looking at that that front enough and not doing enough i don't believe around that and it's quite obvious when they don't do because they have a high high turnover where there naturally wouldn't be you know so let me let me ask you, because that's, that's a very interesting point. One aspect of the question is, how do we, because you said that we should take this opportunity, and rightly so, within the BAME community, we've got the same problem where IT sector isn't seen as a viable option compared to your typical thing we covered in different podcast episodes, you know, the lawyer, the doctor, mm-hmm. and accountants, accountants. lawyers, mm-hmm. yeah. engineers. So, so I guess from your perspective, what should we as a community do more but also, you mentioned something very interesting is, okay, you know, you, you, you're trying to fix your ad, but there's a bigger problem after when the person is in. What would you say to the organizations? So firstly, for the communities, and I think that it's the people who are working in tech who are part of the community on the fringes of community, like myself, we've got to be doing more targeted communication to people about the, the benefits, the opportunities within the tech industry, what those different jobs are. And the, the company that I'm working at currently, Diverse and Equal, that's exactly what we do. So what we have specifically in our one of our branches is that we've got a, a, a series of taster sessions and we introduce people within an hour and a half to specific roles within tech what the role involves and they actually get to try and do some of that work so they not only know you know the vague theory around what the job is where the person would fit in the life cycle of a product or a service but they actually get to practice just a bit of what the person does and you know through our marketing we're also constantly giving out information on you know this is a typical salary that you would get from that person these are real people who do that job and they have a social media profile so you can follow them but also from the side of the community in terms of say parents for example now that there is lockdown and you know i know people are struggling with schooling from home don't have that worry thankfully but there are people within the community again within tech creating products and services or programs that are specifically for 
children. We know that they've got, you know, some people have got issues with devices and that's an issue to try and get on in the first place. But a lot of ethnic minorities within tech are actually looking to see, you know, for the children who, or while we're getting children online, what specific programs can we have where we actually put our people in front doing the instruction so not only do they get you know the same basic instructions that everybody else is getting but they actually see examples of themselves in the future because that's really really important because as you mentioned before doctor lawyer engineer we actually have a saying across a lot of african um, communities saying that there are only four careers in your parents eyes as doctor lawyer engineer and failure and everything yeah yeah it is it's wow but i know it's a joke it's changing but it really is like that people are encouraged to be doctor lawyer engineer maybe accountants everything else is just in another box and we've got a lot of work within our own communities to do anyway to you know say number one especially if you're living in the uk that other box Mm. is full of a lot of different careers actually where you can be you know, successful, happy, you can have a stable income. And let's start looking at examples of people who have, you know, they've made it, they've been successful in those jobs. So I think that's something that, thankfully, that's whether it's second generation, or third generation, a lot of people are are actually um, trying to do. And secondly, with your question about what companies can do beyond just putting an ad out, Number one is seeking help. As I'm seeing this trend, it's not new because it happened to me as well, Um, but I'm seeing a trend of a lot of companies, particularly after the George Floyd incident, reaching out to their employees and their employee networks to ask for what they should do. And there's nothing wrong with doing that in the first instance. We've got to realize that changing, what you're really asking to do is to change the culture of the company and your employees may not have the skills or the experience to do that. I certainly didn't when I started sharing that group. And that's why, you know, you do see a lot of people hiring diversity and inclusion consultants or whatever, some kind of professional. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's really, really important that companies have got to take this seriously, dip their hands in their pockets because this, thing of changing whether it's culture behavior it most of the time it is about changing culture to be fair not everybody has that skill you actually have to do a lot of reading research you actually have to have experience in doing that and you can't just pull your employee from the front desk just because they are asian or black or chinese (laughs) and expect them to yeah expect them to be able to answer all those questions and come up with a program no you need to invest invest in it seriously because it's an investment in your people and it's really an investment that's going to help with that retention because that's what you want you don't want to keep spending on recruiting people you know year after year or every few years losing people who've got experience so that's one i think mindset shift that's got to happen within companies they've got to dip their hands in their pockets and actually spend on professionals get their professionals to help support their you know their employee resource groups or whatever groups that they've got um those people are capable of delivering programs eventually but most of the time they need help i i was the same i needed help and you know luckily with our company and we had someone who was leading it initially that 
they got that message out loud and clear that we need help and we, we got things so that those professionals can start you off on something, some kind of program, some kind of change. And then it would be the responsibility of people within the company to monitor and maintain that. And in between the professional comes back and keeps checking, you know, for progress to help out with any problem spots. And that's how it should be. Yeah, they definitely need to invest more and be more serious about it because at the moment it's it's and a lot of companies it's taken on as an extra. It's seen as an addition to HR mm. and whoever's leading it often doesn't have a full time team behind them. And that team sometimes it's tra- is trained, sometimes they're not. They're left to do their own research and to do their own training themselves, as you know, left to the wind, as I like to say. It's not, it's not a good thing, not a good thing. And I, you know, obviously I am biased because I work in an environment where I am with those, you know, consultants who do help, but I I know myself from being inside working in a company and having chaired the committee, um, you know, from its infancy when nothing existed, that that is very, very important to get outside help because, and also to stop cycles of doing things that aren't helpful or sometimes you know we just discover that they're ineffective or wrong it's been the whole george floyd incident of course it wasn't great but what it has brought to light is some practices that they've been carrying on for years and years and years and nobody ever questioned you know question them yeah why are we spending budget on this when we're not seeing results or you know is it enough to just do this one thing do we need to add another thing or you know do we have to follow have to follow all this the same things that other companies are doing do we you know can we tailor it in a better way to our company so those sorts of things i mean just listening to that i think what i found really interesting is that the transition that you made, one, so for anyone out there, is not too late to join the tech industry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because um, it's evolving. I've, and I've heard, I think, speeches from yourself where you said the low-skill jobs are going to disappear and because of the digital transformation. And we need more people within our communities to make that step because the, the certain jobs won't be around in the next 10 to 15 years. Um, and I've heard you talk about finding your purpose i think it was a university lecture if i'm not mistaken mm-hmm. but i just wanted to ask around as in how do we give those advice to people and even ourselves like find our purpose as in what we want to achieve to the group we let annie go first <laughs> well like well i, well, I think what well, i think of something on the spot yeah i think for me what i have learned probably I was going to say the hard way, maybe that's a little bit harsh, but what I learned late is to try a lot of things and listen to your gut. And I'm going to tell a little story, like my parents, they're amazing. They, in terms of, you know, education, gave us as much as they possibly could, but they do fall into that bucket of African parents in a way that whatever we did they wanted us to be the best at and yeah sometimes that just included traditional things so i remember there were times i think it was mainly in college maybe the beginning of university where i had a real knack for languages actually and i wanted to study that at a higher level 
Um, my dad was like, what? But you're so brilliant at science. You know, you can do this, you can do that. And it's like, I wish I could have actually just done what I wanted. But because he was paying for my school at that time, I, I just thought, oh, gosh, you know, I can't I can't disobey him. You know, I need to listen. And I've worked so hard to make them proud. I can't disappoint them. And I should have just listened to my gut. So uh, this actually the last few years, I've spent time kind of tapping back into those talents that I dampened down for years because at some point somebody, it's not just my parents, it's even teachers, lecturers told me that I wasn't good at something. I shouldn't do something. And I just stopped. And one thing I want to tell people is just do not stop. So you don't have to broadcast it out to the world or even do it as a day job. If it's something that, you know, you have no idea, you can't figure out how you're going to make money from it, but you love doing yeah. it. When you love doing something, do not stop doing it. That's what I'm going to say. Don't stop doing it because somewhere, somehow along the way, you will find your purpose if you just tap into the things that you love. And it's so difficult in this day and age to actually just do things that you you love without listening to the influences of the outside world. So you know internally when you love to do something and yeah, as people say, I think you, you would do it without even getting paid. Just tap into that and don't let go of whatever it is. And you don't have to broadcast it out to the world, but keep doing it because somewhere along the line, it will do you, you know, amazing good. So yeah, all my creativity and even my language skills, they've been super, super useful. You know, it, it's, yeah, it, I, I say I learned the hard way, but there are so many of us who do this and we won't, won't admit it to the world, but it is true. This is where Annie admits that she knows like 12 languages and she, she's not having told anyone. Uh, no, I think I think you're making a, all of those. I was nodding along. If I had to look at myself and, you know, I think to, to, to question you asked as I'm, you know, finding the purpose and, you know, how do you do it? I will make a similar reference to, to Annie. So I feel like when we're younger, we have crazy, crazy dreams. We want to conquer the world. We want to be the best you know, for me, the best footballer, you know, I wanted to be an astronaut and I wanted to be the guy who finds the cure for, you know, HIV, stuff like that. That was my crazy dream when I was younger. And I don't know why. And I think it's quite common looking around as you grow up, you say to yourself, or oh, I don't know, the pressure of society, you know, the pressure of parents. And again, I was very lucky. We were lucky that my parents, you know, didn't put that pressure on us in that in that sense. But you just you kind of say, I need to be sensible. I, need to, I can't have crazy dreams. You know, I need to make money, you know, because I need to, to follow the traditional route of, you know, I don't know, education, house, and settling down, whatever, right? So the realization of the bigger world starts to dawn on you. And somewhere along the way, you put your crazy dreams to a box and then you follow, you know, a nine to five and or an eight to four, whatever. And you're content with that. And then you, somehow you learn to lever, but not really lever. So my advice is, and I that was me, so I had those crazy dreams. But somewhere along the way, and I think it's probably to do with, with, with my older brother and how he looked at life, that no matter how much physical problems, you know, having a heart condition, it never stopped him having crazy dreams to just want to get a degree, you know, open a, you know, a company, give back to NHS, whatever it was. And I had the moment of realization, I was very lucky, where I sat in a room and I was like, I've been complaining, and I've been trying to, put myself in a box and you got my you got Hussein who's just saying actually why not have these crazy dreams why not become a board member for NHS and all that stuff so my mentality changed 
And over the past probably six, seven, maybe eight years now, my quote that I've gone back to people in the younger generation, school, universities, whoever I speak to is, do you know what? Have a crazy dream. Who says you can't be the next, you know, NASA astronaut? Who says you can't be the next Ronaldo? Who says you can't be the next big billionaire? Whatever it is. But I do say don't follow money. Um, follow your passion. But that's my advice is who says you can't have crazy dreams? You know, and I think Annie's making a valid point. There's a pressure from the society and, you know, do I want to go on social media and say, hey, I'm doing something crazy that it's it's unique or different? You don't have to. Don't tell people. But follow those crazy, crazy dreams because I think when you untap your mind to say, I'm capable and I'm going to try what I love, it'll start to open your eyes to the way you look at life and it will give you a bigger drive in your work it will give you a bigger drive in your life like I look at myself I'm I'm looking at you know my wardrobe right now and I've got plans from 2017 18 19 20 and 21 I haven't taken them down and the reason is I look back at 2017 and say these was my crazy goals and they've gone crazier and crazier and crazier and I don't care that's just me so for me don't lose your childish not childish but you know your younger imagination of having crazy goals i know it's long-winded here someone's telling me wrap it up wrap it up you're, you're waffling so i'm gonna just say that follow your crazy dreams because they might not be crazy as you think they are and i'm gonna throw it your way Hassan. you've had plenty of time to think about and hope i think what i listen to is annie possibly knows 12 languages hamid <laughs> uh, <laughs> you had dreams of being a footballer and astronaut very why not? Very different. Uh, I mean, I would have been the astronaut who could have been the footballer the, or vice versa. The first Premier League footballer which went to space, you could have been that. Oh, you're right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I think, uh, I think, uh, yeah, I think you both summed it up. I think the only sort of tip or advice I'd say is in cha- finding your purpose or chasing your dreams is don't be afraid to ask for help. Even at this age is something I think that we all don't want to do like even if it's little things we're a bit going oh i don't want to ask someone oh what does this mean or ask help and i think it's something which at a young age you don't have a problem of putting your hand up and saying oh what do you mean i don't know this? but when you get older yeah 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 you're right yeah, there's been right. so many meetings where you see people nodding their heads and then they walk out and be like i don't know what that meeting was all about and i'm thinking oh you should have just said something but yeah i think that would be my advice as in ask for help or advice especially now where everyone's available online you can just literally drop people a line and say, oh, can you please give me some advice how to get into the tech industry or what should I do? People are helpful sometimes, not all the time, but people will help you. That's I don't know what you're looking at me when you're saying people sometimes are not helpful. Um, I just have a grumpy face. That's just, <laughs> that's just You know, I, I'm helpful. Just, you know, not first thing in the morning. Yeah. Um, I'm not a morning person. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why I'm admitting this on, on the podcast. Oh, most, no. as I said, most people are helpful. This, this is this is stated in the podcast. <laughs> oh, God. Um, no, I think you're right. And what I love about what Annie mentioned was a diverse and equal, uh, you know, organization that you're involved. I, I was saying to Hassan, as you were describing it, you know, something that you guys do get professional people to help with their community. Annie, you know, I don't know if you've got, you know, links in South Wales specifically, but I'd be more than happy to to say to you right now on the podcast i'm you know i'm more than happy to help you with that if i can help someone in here that they want to connect and ask questions i'm more than happy to do that because as you said it's people like ourselves who've gone through the path 
the road, however difficult, however easy it was. And now it's time for us to pave the way for others. That's how I see it. And I think that's what you're doing. And I think it's beautiful and I think it's inspiring. That's great. Thank you so much for offering. And yes, absolutely. We will be taking you up on that because, you know, we are based in Manchester. Most of our core team are in Manchester. But one thing that's happened because we went full throttle in the middle of lockdown is that going remote has actually opened doors for us and we're not averse to getting help or helping people who are not in Manchester indeed on on our workshops that we run currently. We've even gotten participants from as far away as the US, some African countries. Um, Yeah, so, you know, we we know physically we can do the most in the community where we're at, but we are definitely looking to expand and work with people, you know, across the regions, across the country, across the world. So absolutely. And, you know, one thing the pandemic has taught us is that, you know, why limit yourself to the expertise that's just on your doorstep? We can easily, easily arrange things. Yeah. And I'm sure Hamid will help you, but just nine in the mornings. <laughs> Luckily for you, our workshops are usually in the evenings to fit with work you or the afternoon. You, so. <laughs> you should be okay. Well, no, but I, I think, but I think you're making a valid point. Is you know, what 2020 taught us, you know, with the pandemic and how it's affected everyone around the world, that simply being nicer or being for one another, you know, virtually could have a massive, massive impact. And mm-hmm. 2021 and the way it started with the lockdown uh, and obviously with you know with covid still ongoing it's the same thing so why not give half an hour an hour of your time to help someone in in uk in us in africa don't matter where they are i think that's what i learned last year is having a conversation with someone it's and just giving some advice and reassurance goes a long way so that be and what you're doing is beautiful. That's all I'm going to say. And Hesam, I think you're volunteering as well, yeah? I'm, I'm just, you know. Yeah, yes, oh, yes. That's good, because um, you're already there. Oh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I was already put down two people from South Wales. <laughs> well, no, you've got digital marketing, you know, yeah. whatever else you do. Yeah. You know, whatever the quotes that, you know, SEO and whatever, you know. They're just acronyms that people say and I say as well. Yeah, no, <laughs> <they're> just... <laughs> no I was going to say... Um, so Andy for people listening and if they want tips or advice wherever they are how best is it for them to ask you or your organization okay so we are on uh, every social media platform so you can our handle on LinkedIn we are diverse and equal so you can find me on LinkedIn I am on Twitter well and I'm also on Instagram and you can find Diverse and Equal um, using the handle Diverse Tech NW. NW stands for Northwest. So that's our handle at the moment, Diverse Tech NW. And yeah, at the moment, I'm doing all the communications through there, or most of the communications. So anything that we do as an organization, you can follow on there, or you can follow me individually. But yeah, feel free to reach out via social media. It's probably the best way to get to me and it's the way that we were introduced so yeah we, we are open. we'll make sure we'll we'll make sure we'll put um all the information on the bio of, of the podcast oh, thank you. and i think it leads ni- nicely to how i want to summarize this episode 
um i don't know why i'm doing a summarization if that's even a word or the summary but i'm just trying to look back you know we, we followed annie's you know journey maybe we'll have another episode to talk about annie and you know i think you mentioned it wasn't an easy path and i can echo to that sometimes people think to get to where you want to get to you you just gotta give it nine to five or maybe nine to six mm-hmm. um and you'll get that the reality is what people don't see and again, I make a I remember reference that Annie was making on her video. What you don't see is the is the hours behind the scenes, the staying behind, mm-hmm. um, grinding out. I'm gonna say, but also the failures. Uh, I'm not looking at Annie's on that one. I'm looking at myself. You know, um, there's been you know when people look at my career or people's career who who've made it, whatever made is, you know, at what level, what they don't realize is. There's been so many hiccups, there's been so many no's, there's been so many doors that's been closed to them. But what Annie mentioned throughout her journey, throughout that, you know, the past 30 odd, 40 minutes or among three of us, I want people to take away is to realize if you really want something and it's it's out there and you genuinely believe in it and it's it's aligned with your purpose, know there's going to be challenges, know it's going to be difficult, but at the same time, know that's part of the journey. So if you fail, it doesn't matter. Get up and try again until you get to where you get to. And when you get there, look back, see what you learned from it and pave the way for others. That's how I want to summarize what I think I learned from talking to Annie and, and obviously Hesam here. And I just want to say a big thank you to you, Annie, for giving your time today to talk to us, learn something from you know, your experience, but also the audience. My pleasure. SM is is giving me the, the look of that, you know. <laughs> no, I was going to say, especially on a... It's a Saturday, yeah. Don't... Which looks a bit sunny. <laughs> I don't know how is it up there. Oh, snowy. Yeah. We're in winter oh, wonderland. Oh, okay. And I want to say thank you so much to both of you because it's, you know, just an absolute pleasure. It's been an absolute pleasure. Definitely one of the most comfortable interviews that I've had. So it's a credit to both of you for making that happen. Oh, but you. it's just a pleasure to even... No, or be connected to both of you because I, I don't think maybe both of you don't quite know how amazing you are and you know i know we were introduced by a mutual connection but i i was wowed as soon as i saw you know both of your profiles and what you were doing it, it's it's impressive really really impressive and i'm honored that like, i feel as if i'm coming in at the early stages to be connected with you Wow, our heads just exploded. <laughs> <laughs> no, like, like seriously, Annie, that's one of the uh, that's that's one of the nicest things has been said. I I don't blush because you know <laughs> it's one of the traits of being Asian that when we blush, you don't actually see it. But genuinely, I felt it, and that means a lot. Um, and honestly, I think the reason it flowed like it did today is because we're just having a genuine conversation mm-hmm. between three of us and we're being completely honest and transparent and i want people to to realize it's conversation like this that will hopefully give people the, the true inside of you know the good and the bad you know it path to to success not that i'm saying any of us are up there we're still chasing our dreams and i know all three of us will probably got crazy dreams mm-hmm. um but hopefully through talking uh, with this it's, it's been helpful for the audience yeah. Annie I think all I can say is a big thank you for myself from Hesam. I think Annie did say he was the best one as well just to just throw in there I think he was the most comfortable and the best podcast Annie's been so for anyone else who's done a podcast or will be doing this is your benchmark uh, <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much but no, uh, thank you and uh, Annie we will hopefully and definitely speak again absolutely thank you take care Thank you.
Thank you for listening to another episode of The Three Musketeers, hosted by Hamed and Hissam Amiri. Don't forget to share and follow, as more thought-provoking episodes with guests around the world will be appearing soon. See you soon.